Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Where we're getting under the anointing of God as He ministers the Word to us, just for a few minutes a day. Better is one 15-minute period, Lord, in Your presence as I'm opening myself to You. Not that You're not with me all day, but as I'm opening myself to You for You to, to speak to me without a million other things coming in my ears. Better is 15 minutes than the rest of the 24 hours on my own. How many years do you have left on this earth? There's probably an app to determine that, but the truth is no one really knows. The outlook of how much each of us have left is most likely great for some and grim for others, depending on your mindset and, of course, your salvation. We've been learning how important it is to take advantage of the time we've been given. Simply put, if you're a Christian, you need to get your priorities right and concentrate on the things that matter. If you're listening in and you're not a believer, then today is the day of salvation. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 31, with his continuing study entitled, Take Advantage of Today. Are we spending time with people or mostly things? Do you know what? The computer can replace people. The television has. And we need to turn it off more often. The only thing that's eternal is people. Parents, let me ask you a couple questions tonight. Are you enjoying time with your children? Husband and wives, are you enjoying time with your spouse? Date night, remember? Singles. Are you enjoying time with your friends? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. There's one thing that will destroy the joy of living today. Actually, two. And I want to address them, especially at this time of the year. It's very strange to me, but this is very, very important during the holiday seasons. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Paul says this, Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, I would like to tell you that he's writing this to unbelievers. But I would be wrong. He's writing this to Christians. Anger and unforgiveness wastes our time and robs us of our joy. The little word there, get rid of, in the Greek means this, to pick up and carry your way, 
to make a clean sweep. What Paul is saying is this. If there's people that have angered you and you become bitter and you're frustrated at circumstances, then get rid of it. Well, how can I get rid of that? You give it to God. But before you give it to God, you have to ask forgiveness of God and the people, circumstances, work, neighbors, church, whatever. Now, why do I say at this time of the year, this is important? Amazingly, during holiday times, and I hear it all the time, there is so much hurt, unforgiveness, bitterness within families. Now, I can't solve all that within my family or your family, but I can take my part. And the Bible says, I'm to go and try to make it right. And then Ephesians says, if the other people, parties, whatever, won't accept the forgiveness and they just keep on with it, then I can't do anything, God, because I'm to live in peace as much as is possible within me. So I want to challenge you at this. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I don't want to do this. Those people really hurt me. The Bible doesn't say they really hurt you. The Bible says you go to them. You make it right. You're the one that's responsible. That's a mature Christian's walk. Look at verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. You know why we're to forgive? Because Christ has forgiven us. Now you remember, Jesus taught something very important. Those of you that are out there tonight and say, well, I'm holding on to this. Pastor Mark, you don't know how long this has been and this uncle or whatever. And let me just say, you try to do with it whatever's possible within reason with God helping you. If it won't resolve it on their part, then that's all you can do. But some of you haven't done that. You need to do that. You need to take the initiative and start that forgiving process. Remember, Jesus said this, forgive us our debts. Then he said, but only really as we forgive our debtors. So if I'm not asking God to help me go to these people and asking forgiveness, I'm walking around with unforgiveness in my heart and bitterness. God is not forgiving me. Now, if there's unforgiven sin in my life, there is no joy. If there's no joy, then you can't enjoy life. You say, well, Pastor Mark, it's a lot more complicated than that. No, Jesus said it pretty plainly. Remember? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, what, sinned, made debts against us. He didn't say uh, point number one, point number two, point number three. Point. Remember what Jesus did on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. You say, well, that fits with my relatives. <laughs> or neighbors. Or, that's right. But what did Jesus say? Forgive them. He said, I can't do that. No, you can't without God. But with God, you can. So I challenge you. It was unthinkable for Jesus to think that a person would refuse to forgive, especially a Christian. So if you're out there tonight and just kind of saying, well, I'm put that in the back of my head. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle it. You're going to have to handle it because God's brought it to your forefront. You do what's necessary. And you watch God work in your life. Now, back to 2 Kings, where you had your note. Chapter 20, verse 4. Before Isaiah, remember now, he's prayed. Hezekiah's prayed. Look what happens, verse 4. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came back to him. So he prayed, and God responded. Well, what's God going to say? 
Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. And I want, I want you to just notice the eyes in these next two verses. The eyes mean God. It means God who's in control. Notice what he says. Go back and tell Hezekiah this. I've heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go to the temple of the Lord. And we're going to get into more about this in a moment. Now, now look at verse 6. As he does this, what's going to happen? I, who's God? God is I. I, I will add how many years? 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Notice, as we said before, God is in control. He's the only one that can create life. He's the only one that can extend life. Verse 7. Then Isaiah said to the king, prepare poultice of figs. Here we are with natural medicines. And they did so and applied it to the boil. Many people think uh, this was really cancer in those days. We, we don't have a great picture, obviously, of exactly what it is because you wouldn't die of a boil. So he says, prepare poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil. And what happened to him? He recovered. This was nothing but obviously a supernatural miracle from God. Yet notice, even with the supernatural miracle, he had to obey what God told him to do. Now, what are we told to do if we have sickness in our body? The book of James tells us that we're to go to the elders of the church and have them anoint us with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal us. So you're to do that. That's why we have prayer times at the back. When you're sick, we love to pray for people. And again, that can be extended outside of the elders. But that is certainly one form that we're instructed to do. God still heals today. Now, does anybody understand 100% of healing? No. Sometimes God heals by saying, guess what? You're going to heaven. It's over with. It's done. And off we go. But God does heal. You can't put them in a box. I mean, here, when else can you turn anywhere in the Bible and find that figs are put on a boil? You say, well, what's wrong with God? No, what's right with God? He hates people that think he's, you know, here's this little formula. This is how God works. This is not how God works. God's supernatural. We just say, okay, God, what'd you say? I'll go for it. That's the wisdom that we need to do. Now, 15 years. I'm going to break it down, and I threw it on the overhead for you tonight. How many days is that? Because days are what matters to us. Look, look at 15 years, how many days? 10 years, how many days? 5 years, how many days? 1 year, how many days? Now, let me ask you a simple question as you look at that. How many days do you have left on this earth? Some of you are young go, long time. Not necessarily. Some of us that are older think, ooh, I don't even like to think about it. Well, I, I took my age, 58, I added this 15 years as if I was Hezekiah. I get to... Uh, 73. Probably fairly average for a male in the United States. Now, stop thinking about it. Pick it somewhere up there. Ladies, you usually live normally a little longer, a few years longer. That's when you spend the rest of your husband's money and all that stuff happens. That's why I tell my wife, enjoy it, whatever. Um, you say, well, that's not, not true. Go to a nursing home. You'll see it's true. A couple guys, 90 women. It's true. That's what happens. So you drive us crazy, we just die early is what happens. <laughs> now that's to balance the, minute, the, the opening thing with the women being wise. Is that all right, guys? All right, all right. Come on back here. Come on back. 
How many years do we have? We don't know. Should we take care of our bodies? Certainly. But how many years? We don't know. But just stop and think tonight. And I want everybody to put ourselves in this mindset. Let's say that somehow supernaturally God came into this building tonight. And he said to us here, you have one year from today, you're going to die. Let me ask you some questions with that. If that was known, see, it's known to Hezekiah. The clock's ticking. He's got an extra 15. If that was true for us, would there be any difference in our daily lives? If we had 365 and counting, would there be any change in our priorities? Anything with our time management? Anything with our families? Any change in our zeal for the things of God? Would there be arguments that we just drop? Would there be people we fussed at and got angry with that we just go, it's not important. Do you know how many people have been tormented by that? There were things unresolved with a husband or wife or a friend or neighbor. Can't resolve them. Would we be more positively approached to life? Would we value each day differently than we do now? And lastly, would we value people more than things? Gets quiet. Got quiet for me when I started thinking. You see, that's what living wise is about. With the hustle and the bustle. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, yeah, big deal. But man, I might live 80 years. Well, what kind of life are you going to live? You see, it's live today. And I look back at this last year, and certainly as we evaluate it, there's some things we need to change. I'm sure you do too. Life is precious. Enjoy it. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 8. This wise woman, speaking of God's wisdom, concludes the chapter with some great things. I want you right there in Proverbs 8, down to verse 32. Listen to how, and you might want to read this whole context, this chapter, on, as one of your homework assignments for the week. Proverbs eight thirty-two says this. Now then, my sons, God's speaking to us, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching, circle the next word, daily at my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Keep your finger right there. Turn back to Psalms, book just before, chapter 84. You see, this personification as a woman of God's wisdom says, now listen up. And that means for you and I tonight, as God's speaking to us, and he speaks volumes to us. And I mean, if you had to write a note to me tomorrow, what God spoke to you in this sermon, I mean, there'd be hundreds of different things that God's spoken to you. He's used his principle, and he's gone right to your heart, and he's gone to my heart, and he's outlined some things that I need to change. 
Well, to get a perspective of that, look at look what David says in Psalm 84, verse 10 and 11. Better is one day in your courts. Now see, this is the Old Testament. God's presence wasn't everywhere. God's presence was in the temple, the sanctuary. So when they wanted to meet God, they had to go to the courts. It's not like us today. Look, look what he says. Better is one day in your courts, enjoying your protection and your provision, than a thousand days elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the, quote, rich tents of the wicked. In other words, I would just be a, I'd just be the lowest servant of all if I can serve you, God, there, than have a million things. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who whose walk is blameless. That verse challenges us to spend time in God's presence. That's back to our daily quiet times, where we're getting under the anointing of God as he ministers the word to us, just for a few minutes a day. Better is one 15-minute period, Lord, in your presence as I'm opening myself to you, not that you're not with me all day, but as I'm opening myself to you for you to, to speak to me without a million other things coming in my ears, better is 15 minutes than the rest of the 24 hours on my own. You see, in those minutes is where God's source of life and satisfaction purge me, strengthen me, keep me balanced about the importance of life. Part of that, enjoying God, comes back to one more thing I want to challenge you with. Here it is. You see it on the overhead. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Why should I be an encourager? Look at So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. One of the things that makes a church valuable is its people are encouragers because God has encouraged us first. You see, in this building tonight, if we take a snapshot of this and go a year ahead, some of you will have lost out with God because sin's deceitfulness will have come in. The cares of this life will get so strong a hold that God has pushed the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You say, well, that's a pretty negative thing to say. No, that's real life. I've watched it for 50 years. It's never changed. You know what changes it? My quiet time with God and then being around people that are not griping, complaining, negative, critical, but are encouragers. Because sometimes I need to be encouraged. And the devil just comes and says, you're not doing any good, no impacting life. You, you can't imagine what the devil says to me. He says the same thing to you, but he just itemizes it for you. And then we get feeling, well, you made me right. And then somebody comes along and gives an old kick in the pants, spiritually. <laughs> and what happens? I'm encouraged again. And I realize I was listening to the lousy lies of Satan. Let me ask you tonight, are you an encourager? Do it today to those that are round about us. Go back to 2 Kings. 
Now, let me just read 2 Kings. You're, you're in Proverbs. Go back to Proverbs 8.36. Look at 2 Kings. Look what happens. Verse 21. You have it on the overhead. Hezekiah, at the end of this 15 years, what did Hezekiah do? He died. He died. Remember I told you there was a statistic before. Do you remember it? 100 out of? Do what? Die. So at the end of 15 years... We have no record that he goes back to God and says, double or nothing. <laughs> it was over. It was done. One day, it'll be over. It'll be done. For you. For me. I don't know when. I have no idea. But it will be over. Death is often sudden, sometimes unexpected. So we need to remember, life is temporary. Plan on it. Well, look at Proverbs 8.36. But whoever finds, whoever fails to find me, harms himself. Do you remember what it said before? It says, whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from God. But whoever, notice, fails to find me, harms himself. All who hate me love death. Real wisdom always begins with God. I, I want to ask... Some of you deny this. If you fail to find God, if you reject God, if you continue on in your life without God, here's what happens. You're going to end up, notice this verse says, harms himself. How could you harm yourself doing your own thing? Because when I do my own thing, sin keeps me separated from God. I'm really empty. I'm lonely. There's no purpose. I can be very busy, but there's no purpose. And so I harm myself. I live life as it wasn't designed. And last, notice, all who hate me love death. What does that mean? It means you'll find real sorrow after death because you will be separated from God forever. But you don't have to fail to find God. You say, well, I've been looking for God all my life. I want to tell you where he is right now. Look at this verse. God is at the door of your heart Tonight, the Bible says in Second Corinthians, today, today is the day of salvation. So look at this. Here I am. I stand at the door and Mark and James, Sue, you haven't found me yet. I've been here all along. Were your eyes finally open tonight? Did you finally? Realize that you need me. I'm here. I'll take care of everything from here out. You find me, you find life. You reject me, you find death. That's the choice. Always left up to us. What's the wise thing to do? Life is temporary. Plan for it. Pastor Mark's done a great job bringing our attention to the fact that we need to live wisely according to God's point of view, with His values and in His timing. He shared three important applications that will help you become successful in taking advantage of each new day. First of all, life's precious. Cherish and enjoy it. Secondly, it's valuable. Invest in it. People, not things. Finally, life's temporary and short. Today's the day of salvation. Make every moment count. Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. What you believe about God and His Word will have a great impact on your life and the lives of those around you. Next time on Lessons for Living, you'll be encouraged to step out in faith when God commands. You'll gain confidence in learning that He not only sees your potential, but He knows your capability. And it's not at all what you imagine. Make sure you tune in. Because it's time to clog your Christian arteries and God-size your spiritual life. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Palmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living. And together, let's do life right. Here